0: Welcome to Mandemonium, a podcast where I, your host, Mandy, talk to guests about their favorite works of fiction, whether that be books, movies, TV shows, or more. Today, I will be talking to Trevor Self about the Apple TV show Silo and the series of short stories it's based on, Wool, by Hugh Howey. Welcome back. Uh, today I have with me Trevor, uh, who has the honor of being the first uh, non-work person on this podcast. Trevor, welcome. Yeah. Hi there. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us uh, a little something.
1: Sure. My name is Trevor. I am your husband.
0: Yes. And
1: <laughs> a different sort of engineer.
0: That is true. You keep buildings from falling down.
1: Yep. I don't like it when things move. I want them to stay static.
0: Uh, so today we're talking about Silo. Uh, and every, the other people I've had on the show, we've been talking about like some of their favorite things. But uh, I, we were watching Silo together, and we both really liked it. So that's kind of uh, how we ended up here. Uh, I was like, we could podcast about it. So, Trevor, do you want to introduce uh, what Silo is, kind of non-spoilery for those of us listening?
1: So, imagine a interstellar generation ship, but instead of flying through the galaxy with each generation being born, maintaining the ship as they go towards their destination, instead it's the same thing, but it's just a giant hole in the ground. (laughs) That's Silo. It's a generation ship, uh, but it's a hole in the ground.
0: So I it would be like if you designed a generation ship as a structural engineer,
1: Trevor. That's right. I would make it a giant hole in the ground because I don't like <laughs> things that move.
0: Uh, so I think we started watching Silo when the second episode came out on Apple TV.
1: That sounds about right.
0: Uh, so there were already two episodes out and uh, we watched them and we liked them. Uh, and probably out of all the shows we were watching at the time, Silo was the one we were uh, the most looking forward to.
1: Yeah. I don't uh, think anything is- else at the time compared in quality to Silo.
0: So it's an Apple TV show. So if you have Apple TV, um, you know, you can check it out, but uh Non spoiler, uh, how you liked it.
1: I think we've gone over the fact that I did, in fact, like it. It was the best thing on TV at the time. It's probably been like the best thing on TV since Andor. Um, It's a very well made show. The sociology of it is a lot of fun, even if sometimes the technology doesn't quite make sense, but it's close enough that you can just, you know, close your eyes and enjoy it.
0: Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. All of the acting was really good. I mean, I think that's one of the things about Apple TV is the quality they bring to the shows that they're making is just a level above some of the other streaming networks, right? Right, Uh, yeah.
1: Apple TV does not make a poor quality show. You might not like it, but it is well made.
0: Right. Uh, even, Even the things that aren't my cup of tea that I watch, I'm just like... The way it's shot's really well, good. The way it's acted is really good. Uh, So Silo is science fiction. It's like dystopian. Um, So as Trevor said, you have this premise of people living in a silo, but an underground silo. Uh, They know they're underground. Uh, They have like one view of the outside world, uh, which looks uh, terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the outside world looks terrible. Uh, it's like a tree and a hill. And, it uh, you know, you, you, we don't know what happened, but you can imagine some sort of horrific thing like like a plague or not a plague. Plague wouldn't affect. Like a nuclear, nuclear war or war. Yeah. like a solar flare or something like that, something that would like take out the surface. Right. right. Um, but kind of the premise we're introduced to is they don't know why they're there. Uh, as in, they don't know what sent them underground. They don't know anything about the past. Uh, kind of like in the first episode, we learned there was a revolt uh, somewhere around the realm of like 100, 150 years ago. Um, and since then, uh, knowledge of the past has really been tamped down. And the like biggest crime that you can commit in the silo is to ask to go outside. Because if you ask to go outside, they will, in fact let you go outside where you will then die.
1: It's not so much as a crime as just, you know, it's a promise that's always honored. And, you know, once requested is irrevocable.
0: Yes, which is interesting, right? Yeah. Like as soon as you say it, go ahead.
1: So, so one of the things that I'm always hung up on is like these days is showrunners. And there's so many guys out there that are making shows that are, you know, they're all right. Um, and the, the guy who is running this is Graham Yost. Who, if you don't know who he is, the that wouldn't surprise me because who actually follows who showrunners are unless you absolutely hate them. But he's <laughs> done things like the Pacific series, uh, Justified, which is coming back, Sneaky Pete, The Americans. Like These are all pretty good shows that are out there. Slow Horses, which I love, though he's only an executive producer on that, I think. So, like, guys got some uh, some good experience making things that we, we like, uh, like Speed, the 1994 movie with Keanu Reeves. Who doesn't like that movie? I like it. Are you an American if you don't like Speed?
0: Uh, maybe you're just like a really <laughs> old person. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you just hate Keanu Reeves or Sandra Bullock. Then you might
1: movie is just pure joy unlike what silo which
0: is <laughs> it's the opposite of speed
1: yeah i mean uh speed is in a bus that's going fast and the silo is there and it never moves
0: that's true that's true <clears throat> uh, they definitely don't get places fast in the silo
1: right Be yeah. It's it's one of those things it's the it's the mystery at the very beginning of the show. You don't know what's going on, but there are things that don't make sense, but you want to know why they're doing it that way and one of them is the fact that you have this silo that is roughly 450 what floors that we would call in a building today and they have no elevators and no way of going up and or down very quickly. You have to take the stairs. You always have to walk up and down. And it makes sense why that exists at the end of the show. You you understand, but it's one of those mysteries at the beginning that keeps you hooked.
0: Yeah. I would say this show definitely centers on kind of the mystery of why they're in this uh, environment. Uh, and, and I don't mean like why they're in the silo. I mean like uh, just the mystery of like the past and the different, uh, is it a conspiracy? Is it a, I mean, we had a lot of discussions about whether there was an actual conspiracy going on or whether it was just humans. Uh, when you talk, because like when you talk about a generation ship, a lot of generation ship stories aren't actually like conspiracies. They're just people perpetuating systems, right. Right. That have been in place for a long time. And sometimes for good reason, you know, (laughs) You get some inevitable like weird generationship story where somebody's like worshiping the engine and it's <laughs> but it's like though that's necessary to keep the engine running. Not the worship, but the, the rituals that go right. with it, right? Uh, and and that's kind of what this is like, where you're like, is this they are doing these things because they have to be done and they don't know why? Uh or is there uh, you know, some cabal at the top creating these things and, and you don't You don't really know. Uh, And that's kind of one of the things in the whole show.
1: Yeah. They have all of these rules that don't seem to really make sense at the beginning um, and why they might have them. And yeah, it's the thing that you're trying to figure out and guess as you're going along as to what's actually going on there, because there's clearly what the people in the silo understand and what they can see around them and what is actually going on because there's something more
0: right and we as the viewer know more than people in the show do like they'll they'll show us things like um uh it's like in um Uh, Planet of the Apes when they go to the uh, archaeological site, if you will, and they find like the baby girl doll and the apes are like, what is this? Why would you make it? And we, the viewer know exactly what it is. And that's kind of some of the irony in the show that we see at some points where we, the viewer actually know more. And it's not because the show has told us more. It's because we live in modern society.
1: Right. They're, they're fascinated by a world of blue skies and, you know, Green grass Pez because they impede dispensers because they've, they've never seen those things before,
0: right? Um, so, I uh, other non spoiler things I'll say is Rebecca Ferguson is the main character, but she's not actually like in the first episode. So, if you watch the show, that'll kind of if she is in the first episode, it's like one scene. I don't remember her being like in right. it very much.
1: It's almost I, the first episode is basically a prologue,
0: right? Uh, and if you do watch it. The, <laughs> I think we were watching it in like the first, you know, three or four episodes. We were like, who is this story about? Because it like kept shifting focus from like one character to another. Uh, But it became clear pretty quickly that Rebecca Ferguson is the main character. And I think she produced it.
1: Uh, Yeah. She has like an executive producer credit on it. So she's involved with the production of it, which is kind of neat.
0: Yes. Uh, And uh, she did a really good job. And uh Overall yeah, we uh, really like this show. I would say I recommend it to people who like you know dystopian literature uh, if you like generation ships uh, even though this is not in space uh, mm-hmm. same concept <laughs> if you, though <laughs> yeah. If you like weird societal things, uh, this this is probably the show for you um, and we would recommend it.
1: And if you want to see a actress playing a role of a woman, who is actually younger in the book than she is on, you know, the actress herself is? Then this one's also for you, because she was Rebecca Ferguson is either thirty eight or thirty nine when this is filmed, and in the book the character is thirty four.
0: That never happens. So. It never
1: happens, except <laughs> when you know your executive producer casts herself in the role. So,
0: she I guess have a leg. I...
1: <laughs> she does have a leg up in that respect.
0: Uh, And then I guess the other thing we should say before we go into spoilers real quick, because we did watch the show and then we were both like, we want to know what happens next. So we read the book. The book is not straightforward like one book. Uh, It's actually like five short stories that make up the quote unquote first book. And like, I think three of those short stories are season one of Silo. Um, because this was originally like self-published before it was picked up by a large publisher and now has a huge Apple TV deal. So, uh, props to that author. That's hard to do. Yeah. Um, so my question for you, Trevor, is which did you like better the show or the book?
1: Generally speaking, the show, um, with a couple of exceptions is, you know, them doing different things, but the show combined all of the storylines into one cohesive plot. Like the prologue is more or less identical in the uh, the short stories. And it has very little connection to the rest of the story. And these ones, they're directly tied together. And it's done so in a way that actually makes more sense. Um, because Rebecca Ferguson's character, Juliet Nichols, who very quickly becomes the sheriff, right? Right. It doesn't really make sense why they pick her and the short story, it does make sense why she gets picked in the TV show. So,
0: yeah, I, I would also say that the TV show added more uh, and, and this this could be a factor of the fact that we watched the TV show first and then read the book. But I, I feel like the book didn't quite have the same like um anticipation is the word I'm gonna use where you're like on edge like I don't know what's going on here, what's gonna happen right. next. Uh, I it, it was like a pacing thing. like in the book it's like things happen and at no point are you like really thinking hmm, I have to think about how I'm gonna word this without spoilers. Like, when we were watching the show, like I already said, we had questions about whether this was a conspiracy, if there is a bad guy, if there is just a society self-perpetuating. In the book, it's, like, very clear, like, this guy is a bad guy.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, And and, and that (laughs) is, like, and that particular character is almost comically bad guy, like... In the book. Yeah, making fun of almost a stereotype of a certain type of person. And then you get a serious Hollywood actor to come in and all of the rough edges of that character are smooth, clean, and you're not really sure that he's the bad guy. And it comes together quite nicely. Right.
0: I I really liked how uh, that went. I I would say my... My only big criticism of the show, and we'll talk about this more when we get to the spoilers, is there was like, I think it was like the second to the last episode where I was like, okay, tell us the truth already. Right. <laughs> You've drawn me out long enough. I can't do this anymore.
1: They kept showing you things that made you ask more questions before they gave you answers. And they do give you the answers, which is nice. At the end of the the season, not all of the questions are answered, but a whole lot of them that... Ha- had you wondering at the beginning have been answered.
0: I feel like they give you enough at the end to feel like you weren't completely strung along. Right. Right. But not enough to say, I don't need to tune in for season two.
1: This is not lost. No, (laughs) no. You get in and it, it answers a whole bunch of questions and then you're left with a couple of bigger questions, but those are, those were always pretty far in the background at the beginning of the show.
0: Right, because uh, in the show, right, you start out with one central question put forward in the first episode. Uh, and at the end, you get that question answered. But the larger societal questions aren't all answered necessarily.
1: Can we go ahead and say what the uh, the question is at the beginning? Yeah, so
0: of? real quick, I am going to go into – we're going to go into spoilers now. Uh, so if you have not watched the show and or read the book, if you've read the book, none of these spoilers are – going to be shocking so (laughs) but uh we're going to go into spoilers uh so spoilers for season one of silo trevor yes oh i (laughs) what would you like to say
1: (laughs) so the the central question at the beginning of it the end of episode one that you're asking is the outside actually bad like you're left wondering if the outside Is actually dangerous or this is like a lost style experiment and everyone is just being kept in the silo for some perverted psychological experiment or, you know, maybe the outside world was bad and now it's better again. Like you're you're not sure what's actually going on with the outside world just yet.
0: Yeah, always a non-zero chance they actually were on a generation ship. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: or, you know, I was uh, wondering weren't. if they were on Mars, like right. um, they could have been on a different planet. It could have all been fake. Um, but yeah, so they 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 and they they mislead you in a way that the the short stories don't.
0: Right. The short story is very clear up front that the outside uh is going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, so, I mean, we're in spoilers. So uh, in Silo, right, when um, Allison goes outside, there's kind of this mystery of why do people clean the sensors? Right. People swear up and down that they will not clean the sensors because that's what everybody wants them to do, the sensor that allows them to see the outside, the camera. And they swear they won't do it, and then they all get out there and they do it. And so Allison... Uh, who's the sheriff at the time's wife, um, discovers an old hard drive, discovers a video of the outside world that looks beautiful. Uh, and she's like, that's why people clean the sensors, because the outside looks nice and they want you to know that. And right. they're trying to get you to see. And then she thinks the people dying is a lie, right? Somehow.
1: Right. Um, that they just because they if- uh, edit in because they edit in them dying on screen. And then in reality, they just go over the hill and join the rest of humanity.
0: Right. Right. Uh, so that's why she wants,
1: because you know, if she's seeing a video of everything that's green and nice outside and the screens inside the silos show that it's a wasteland and everything's dead, then clearly somebody's editing at some point. Right. Right.
0: And that's kind of the question, Right. And in the book, it's super obvious uh, what the truth is in that first, uh, in the short story that makes up the first episode. <laughs>
1: right. I mean, it, it tells I, you how the sheriff dies and what is killing him. So it's yes. it's very clear. And it's not even like, it's an omniscient storyteller telling you it's not what he thinks is killing him.
0: Right. Uh, whereas in the show, she gets out there And she sees all this beautiful stuff. uh, And you, like the sheriff watching it, you know, you're like, maybe it is real. Now, I will say, uh, I had a suspicion that it wasn't real in the show because what Allison saw when she went outside was the exact same thing that she saw in the video. Yeah. Uh, My hesitation on why I wasn't sure that was the truth was because I thought they might've been cutting corners.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just the people making, people making the show are like, just reuse the footage. No one will notice.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, you never can know sometimes when Hollywood is being tricksy or when they're cutting corners. Right. And then one of the things the show does, that's really clever though, is when the sheriff goes outside and he removes his helmet. Cause he follows his wife out. Right. 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 Uh, he they don't show you what he saw with his actual eyeballs, whereas in the right. book, once again, it's 100 percent confirmed that he takes his helmet off and yeah. sees a dead planet. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, uh, in in the show, you're left with this like, is the outside nice? If it is nice, why is there this conspiracy not to go out there? But if it is nice, why did the sheriff die? Because right. I feel like it's still pretty clear in the show that the sheriff does not live after he takes his helmet off.
1: Yeah, we were wondering if the suit he was wearing was piping in bad air. Bad air. Right? So that's why he was taking off his helmet, As he was probably dying at that point and thought the same thing. I'm seeing a world that's great, but I'm in an airtight suit, so it must be the suit that's bad.
0: Right, because if you can see birds, even though he probably doesn't know what birds are, but they do have animals in the silo. So if you can see an animal flying, which he sees, you would think the air would be good. Right. Right. Uh, so I thought that was uh, really interesting. So the other thing that the movie, the movie, I keep calling it a movie, the TV show does really well that the book doesn't is uh, it kind of creates. So in the show uh, you kind of have like, a few power structures. Uh, and I mean that like in human power structures, not in like government power. Yeah. It's governmental power structures. So you have the mayor who is this really nice old lady (laughs) and you're like, there's no way I'd believe she was involved in a conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Uh, the sheriff works for her, but also seems, you know, he, it's not an elected position, I guess it's an appoint. it's an appointed position. Yeah.
1: The sheriff is appointed, but the mayor is elected.
0: The mayor is elected. Uh, but the sheriff is clearly not in on the conspiracy if there's a conspiracy. Right. right? Because he's willing because to go he outside know. Right. Right. Uh, you're introduced to this uh, other power group that's called Judicial. Uh, Judicial doesn't really exist in the book, which I thought was very interesting.
1: Yeah, they're, the judges are only briefly mentioned. They're not really a big part of the day-to-day lives of people and in the show everyone in the silo is terrified of judicial
0: right like everyone knows judicial is spying on
1: them yeah <laughs>
0: like that they have like minions everywhere yeah, they call them, like whisperers yeah. yeah
1: people that uh are spying on their own family members and their neighbors and things like that
0: that said, they do think that the people who are turning on water to run so people can't hear them are another level of paranoia and crazy, is what the yes. average citizen thinks. Right. Uh, so we're introduced to this character, Sims, who in the show is a like the second highest person in judicial. Right. right. Uh, in the book, he is um, in IT. He's IT security. Yes. <laughs> Which... We'll we'll get to. But I, I thought that was really interesting um, because, you know, he's dressed in all black. Uh, they make him, like, super ominous, though they do humanize him with his family um, and give him uh,
1: a – he has yeah, he, reasons
0: for doing what he's doing,
1: right? He's not a mustache-twirling evil villain, right? Like – He's there to to keep law and order, and he's got a family and is a family man, and he believe he truly believes in what he's doing, and you believe it pretty early,
0: right? And then at the what I think is interesting is at the end of the show, right? Uh, you discover he's not even in on the secret, right? It's not a conspiracy. It is not a conspiracy in the silo, is what I mean. Like right. there is only one guy in the whole silo who knows the truth.
1: Uh, who, who knows at least more. In any event, maybe not everything, but he at least knows more things.
0: Right. And since the outside really is bad, right? Going outside is actually going to kill you. Uh, I feel like it makes even the villains way more sympathetic, right? Whereas if this was some sort of experiment, like you said, uh, or there were humans out there, they would be evil, right? But it's like they are actually doing what needs to be done for the human race to survive as far as we know.
1: Right. And they believe they're it, right? Like they're the only humans left on the planet. And if they die, then humanity is gone. So it's like, they're not only doing it for themselves as they're alive, but as if it was a generationship, they're doing it for all the generations that come after them. Right. Right.
0: <clears throat> which makes it really sympathetic. And so with that, I want to get to the actual villain, which is the head of IT.
1: Tim Robbins.
0: Dun, dun, dun. That's the actor.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: I believe his name is Bernard, uh, yes, which I Bernard. don't think I ever actually picked up in the show, <laughs> but right. I, it was definitely in the book. In In the show, I was just like the IT guy.
1: Right. Um, well, and I mean, the in the book he's like a small mousy like weaselly guy who is just like obsessed with power like and wants to like effectively get revenge on everyone that bullied him when he was a kid like that's that's in addition to actually you know making sure not everybody dies if the silo fails but like Tim Robbins, the way they play him is that he is not that kind of person.
0: Right. What I, what I found really interesting, right. Is in the show, Tim Robbins is the head of it. He seems very content to be the head of it. When he's called up to be mayor, he's very like, I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to be mayor. When elections are over, I step down. Right. Um,
1: And then he gives a public speech and it's stilted. Like he can't give a public speech.
0: Right. So his character in the show really struck me as like when he was mad with the mayor about the sheriff in the show, it very much came with with Juliet being chosen as the sheriff, Mm -hmm. I should say it really came across as someone who's part of like a council who feels like his voice is not being heard. He doesn't like this person and you chose her anyway, and you didn't listen to his concern. Right. right. But then it's like the mayor dies and he's in charge and he's like, well, I can't change too much change has happened. So I'm freezing this as it is now. And I'm going to let Juliet keep being sheriff. Right. And it's like a completely reasonable people react People act a certain way sometimes when they're not the one in charge, they feel like they can push bounds more. But then once they're put in charge, sometimes they become more conservative and they're like, right. I can't make these changes. In the book, it is very clear that he just like hates everyone. It's very clear that he kills the mayor. Right. <laughs> like I was like, that was super clear. It, like before it happens, it's like, and he noticed they were drinking out of each other's glasses.
1: Yes and
0: i was like yeah he killed the mayor it,
1: and then he fires juliet from being sheriff where that really doesn't happen in the tv show she keeps the job basically the entire season
0: and in the in the show in the in the book it's very clear that murdering the mayor is in retribution for the mayor not choosing his choice of sheriff right i uh, and in the tv show you really think judicial killed the mayor for some or that they were trying to kill the deputy sheriff they right. accidentally killed the mayor like it's a lot more convoluted right and it's a lot more complicated you think it's judicial you think it's sims you Don't think it's the IT guy at all. You think he's a little bit of a jerk maybe to Juliet at the beginning, but you're like, ah, he's an IT guy. Of course, you know, I have Mm -hmm. a lot of friends in IT. I shouldn't say that, (laughs) but uh, he's a tech guy.
1: (laughs) Right. And his, his motivations, like the murder is definitely over the top, like probably unnecessary and made things worse, but you can kind of get that a guy who is as controlling as him would be willing to do it to get rid of Julieta Sheriff because he thinks she could unravel things that he doesn't want unraveled not
0: and he's right,
1: and he's right <laughs> She does unravel things and she does try to expose them in a way that could cause riots or a war or something like that in the silo and get everybody killed if some critical piece of equipment is destroyed in the process right.
0: And it's the show just does a much better job of making him not seem just evilly maniacal. Yes. Um, it 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 does make him seem a little more like like he's a good actor, <laughs> and yes. I don't I don't mean the uh, actor, but like the Benard. character yeah. is more two faced, right? Yeah. Whereas in the book, he's
1: like incapable of that. Yeah, he. Right? he it's definitely like he wants to lead from the shadows. He's been doing it for a very long time and he's good at it. Right. Which is probably Uh, why one of the things that he wanted to kill the mayor over is that in her old age, she was going off and doing what she wanted and he couldn't control her anymore. Right.
0: Right. And he had the head of judicial completely under him. Right. Like yes. she was afraid of him. And Juliet thinks judge. she means Yes. Yeah, you think you mean Sims.
1: Yeah. And so you think that the Judge Meadows, who they talk about all the time in the show, who isn't shown very much at all. She's she's only credited in two episodes. But you think she's actually running the show. She must be the person actually in charge. And you see her office and it's way nicer than everyone else's. And so you're like, oh, yeah, this is the person in charge. And then she quickly tells Juliet that, no, I'm not running it. And as the viewer, you immediately leap into thinking it's Sims. like, Which makes sense because he's the guy going around being pushy and aggressive. Like, well, he's got the judge under his thumb. He's like a a bailiff with too much power. Which is the second twist, right? Like, you think it's... The judge, oh, judicial's bad. Oh, Sims is actually in charge of judicial. And then you're like, oh, IT is actually, the head of IT is actually the guy in charge. Right.
0: Which then comes back to all sorts of questions about like Allison, right? Because she was in IT, uh, the sheriff's wife. Uh, You know, who decided she wasn't allowed to have children?
1: Right. I mean, that's a... Right. Right. Like, and it's... Do they even do this at all in the books talking about like trying to control the population through birth control? Yeah. I don't think they do, but. So they talk about the
0: birth control in, they talk about birth control in the book. Right. right? But not that Uh, anyone
1: secretly still has their birth control, even though they were told it was taken out.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't remember that being in the book at
1: all. Uh, Though there is something in the book that relates to that. That's maybe what's going on because in the show, they're telling you that they're trying to basically breed the right type of people, right? They don't want. Right, in the want. show,
0: it's very clearly eugenics of some sort. And right? it doesn't
1: really make any sense until about the last five minutes of the show. And then you can start getting some ideas about why that might be going on. Yeah. Because like, why, why would you want to breed curiosity? And inquisitiveness out of humanity—that doesn't make any sense. Like, at some point, the silo is going to open up because the world above will have, you know, whatever it is that happened to it has been healed, and you're going to want to go back out there. So, why? I mean, that's the interesting
0: thing: is they're not even letting people, as far as we know, tackle the problem of is there any other way we could leave the silo and live. Right.
1: So yeah, in the book, they, they talk about at least sampling the air whenever somebody goes out and getting a report on that. Like, is it getting better? Is it getting worse? In the show, that's not even something that happens. Like
0: I, I just imagine that, imagine this was a real scenario for whatever reason and that people were living underground in a silo. You would think that you would have people who would essentially be thinking about how do I terraform the earth? Right. Right. How do you fix it? Uh, how do how do I not wait for the earth to heal itself? How do I heal it? <laughs> uh, and they're not letting them do that at all. And any knowledge of you know because microscopes are forbidden, which isn't something I remember at all in the book. But based on what I know from the book, I feel like it makes more sense. Um, but because microscopes are forbidden, you're like they cannot be doing any kind of genetic kind of, and I don't mean human genetic, but they can't be doing any plant genetic. They can't be doing anything like that. Right? right. Uh, so it's very interesting how they're limiting, uh, what's going on. Now I have my thoughts about things that are spoilers, uh, for this and speculation because mm-hmm. I haven't read all the silo books, but, yeah. uh, I think that's uh, really interesting, um, So, uh, yeah, so uh, my nitpicks with the show are, uh, one, the ridiculous pumping water on the valve scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the generator, (laughs) they have steam that's being piped in, right? They can't, like, divert the steam. And they need to shut off the steam coming in so they can repair their turbine, And they, like, spraying water so that, you know, they close a door over it and they spray water on it to keep the pressure from building up. And I'm just, the amount of energy in that steam, (laughs) like, spraying water on a little hatch is not going to cool it down. It will just... If it is
0: so hot that it is turning steel red, like i mean i don't know as much about steel as you do trevor mm-hmm. fully admit uh but i do know something of thermodynamics uh that steam that she is creating is going to be freaking hot yeah and the water that is like somehow dripping down to her uh why that's not all turned into steam i i don't know i uh, she'd be boiled alive yeah Just, she'd be dead yeah <laughs> Like, I know they're trying to introduce this, that she's afraid of the water thing, which is actually really interesting because uh, that's not in the book at all. Um,
1: Right. And there's going to be a payoff. Yeah, that's foreshadowing for season two, it seems like, that she's afraid of water to some degree. Or maybe that this is the thing that allowed her to get over being afraid of water. I'm not entirely sure. But well, I yeah, mean it it's was,
0: clear it's setting up that she is willing to face her fear of the water to fix something. Yes. Right?
1: But it was a ridiculous uh, scene.
0: <laughs> completely unnecessary and ridiculous is the thing that gets me. Is that it's I really didn't think that scene was necessary to set up this fear of the water yeah. or whatever is coming. Like um,
1: it was There are other it,
0: ways she could have been in water situations.
1: Yeah, it was a very tense and suspenseful scene that I wonder if they added into this show because it's a fairly slow show. Otherwise, like all it's of not the, an action show, it's <laughs> not an action. And this was an action sequence. Yeah. It felt a little what bit of a, like an action sequence in, um, Oh, what is the name of the Tim, the tool man science fiction movie making fun of star Trek, um,
0: galaxy quest
1: galaxy quest you know they they go through that that scene in it where the there's chompers. like the chompers that are coming down And of course it's calling back to making fun of the show that they were. it felt a little bit like that that they were creating a scene that was like galaxy quest chompers
0: yeah i mean i would say that whole situation in mechanical is in the show is an example of hollywood taking something that in the source material is actually very calm and straightforward
1: And making it frantic. Uh,
0: And making it frantic because they were like, we need to create more tension. We need to create some sort of action scene. There's got to be like this deadline. Because in the book, when they go to fix the generator, they take like a week long power holiday, they call it. Yeah. And there's no question that the backup generator will work during this time. Like, it'll work enough.
1: This was like taking Harry, did you put your name into the goblet of fire and then amping it up?
0: (laughs) Harry, did you put your <clears throat> name in the Goblet of the Fire? He said calmly. He said calmly. <laughs> <laughs> it is exactly that situation. Yes. Um, so that that was probably the most ridiculous thing. Um, and then, of course, my other thing is that second to the last episode, for me, was not satisfying. Because in the second to last episode, Juliet discovers what we learned in the first episode. Right. And so it's just like, she finds, she has the hard drive. They get the information off of it. She sees the outside world. And I'm like, we just spent nine episodes rediscovering what we discovered in episode one. I better get something in the next episode. Like (laughs) it it felt very like, this is the problem with prologues. Like, yeah. I think it all did pay off because that moment when she hacks in and tries to send the video to everyone in the silo Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and then Bernard tells everyone in the spying room not to look, including Sims, like that was like chef's kiss. Right. Right. Uh, Because at that point you didn't know Sims didn't know. That, right. that is the moment that's like, Bernard is the only one who knows. Right. And so, he tells her she almost killed everyone in the silo. And in the end, you're like, he's right. She he's almost right. killed everyone in the silo.
1: Or at least had a chance to, right?
0: Right. Because if that had gone onto everyone's screen and everyone had thought the outside was good, they would have tried to get outside.
1: Right. Yes. Which is uh, not a good idea because it's not actually good.
0: Possibly relevant to maybe what happened uh, in the second half of the book that we are not talking about at this moment. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, uh, I find that really interesting. Um, uh, The other thing that uh, the show did a lot better than the book, I'll say, is um, actually Paul Billings' character. The... um, uh, the guy who would have been sheriff right in the book, when he turns on Bernard, uh, it's very sudden.
1: Yeah. You, you kind of don't see it coming at all. Like, right. And, and I mean, the, the book definitely has more limited point of view characters, right? Yes. Paul Billings is a point of view character in the show. He's you not in, yeah. He's not in the books. There's not that many, really. It's Juliet, Bernard, Lucas in um, that latter
0: half, yeah. In the yeah. earlier sections, you have uh Sheriff Holston, but not Allison, who I feel like is a point of view character in the show right. for that first episode. Uh, and you have the mayor, uh, but not Marnes, which we definitely get more of Marnes in the show. Um, I just, you know, and and this is a literal bit into spoiler territory because uh, Billings doesn't actually go against Bernard in season one here, but it's very clearly setting that up. Like I got to the end of season one, like I don't know what exactly is happening, but I know that Billings is going to end up on Juliet's side. Right. He's (laughs) like, that is clearly clearly what the show is setting
1: up. Yeah. And you're not even sure if Sims is going to be or not. Like he's, he becomes really, complicated character at the end of it he's well i will
0: be i I can't say that that's a spoiler sorry
1: (laughs) (laughs) he's he's definitely got his own you know storyline going on
0: right right Uh, because one of the concerns bernard brings up about him is that he has a family yeah um and uh he is willing to divert silo resources for his family and to bernard that's a red flag Yes. Uh which is very interesting, right? Um I I just find it all fascinating. Yes. Uh, so in light of that, uh and we're running out of time. I would like to transition to book spoilers, which do uh spoil A lot. Uh, season 2 probably of Silo. Um so I uh, If you are still listening and you want to know what's going to happen next once Juliet leaves the silo. uh, Also, okay. So I will say one last criticism because we're going to go into it with the book. In the show, it's a lot less clear how Juliet survives. Like, you know, it has something to do with the heat tape, but it's definitely not as well written out as it is in the book. The book makes it very plain. Yes. So I, at the end I was like, so is the heat tape (laughs) poison is what I was thinking uh it's not poisoned, it's just terrible heat tape, apparently. It's very yes, bad and it's, falls apart.
1: It's engineered to fail.
0: Yes. At a certain amount of time. Which is why everyone dies before they go over the edge. And in the book, it's clear they figured that out before Juliet goes up.
1: Uh quite a bit so, beforehand, really.
0: Yes. Uh, where in the show, it's a lot more tense. And uh, I was really thinking that it was like an Ella Enchanted level of... an Ella Enchanted, right? The the crown is poisoned.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you can't poison a crown. I I'm sorry. But I was like, is this like a poisoned crown? Is this like poisoned heat tape? How would you even do that? Like some contact poison that doesn't kill the people who put it on you? I That is not the situation. No. So just clarifying that for everyone listening. And with that, we will transition into... All the spoilers, maybe, because we don't actually know what they're going to change in season two, which uh, is talking more about the book and how it continues on. So in the book, Juliet gets out of the silo and she keeps walking. Um, So the big thing I wanted to talk about before we talk about Silo 17 is uh, Lucas versus Sims. Okay. Like, so in the show... Lucas is the guy who's watching the stars and like Bernard basically accuses him of treason in the end and sentences him to the mines. Right. In the show Sims is going to be Bernard's heir, right? Yes. In the book, Lucas is both of these things.
1: Yes. He becomes the heir apparent um, because he has enough inquisitiveness, but he's also apparently loyal And smart, and Bernard wants effectively a young, smart IT guy to replace him.
0: Right. Uh, Which is interesting that in the show he's choosing Sims because Sims isn't an IT guy.
1: Right. Though in the book, it seems like Sims is just a meathead. Yes. And so in the show, like Sims being the head. You know, Becoming the the heir of actually running the silo really only makes sense if he thinks that Sims can then control the new head of IT later. Because I don't think he would move over from being judicial to head of IT. That doesn't really make that much sense.
0: Yeah, that that's the thing that I don't understand in the context of the book. Because it seems like in context of the book is the head of IT of each silo.
1: Is, is- always... The, the guy that is in actually in charge.
0: Right. Because what the silo is actually doing other than preserving humans is preserving knowledge in the form of the servers and the encyclopedias.
1: Yes. Well, the the secret books that are hidden beyond the IT servers.
0: They're very clearly encyclopedias because Lucas yeah. complains that they're in alphabetical order and not in chronological <laughs> order. Um, so he's like, these are in no logical order. And I'm like, yeah, it's called the alphabet kid. (laughs) I, but yeah, I think that's interesting because the, this, the room that at the end of the season Bernard is running to, we learn in the book is the server room. So why would someone in judicial have access to the server room? Right? Like I just. It's interesting that Bernard doesn't have someone he's grooming in IT in the show.
1: Or he, there was no one appropriate. It, I would guess. Yes.
0: But so. this is also what makes me think like you, that Sims is going to turn on Bernard eventually because Lucas in the book turns on Bernard. Right. But I don't know how much they're splitting those characters up because uh, you're the one who hypothesized, Is are they putting Lucas in the mines so that Juliet
1: can meet him? Right. <clears throat> um, it, I don't know. They're definitely going in a different direction at some point, but I feel like they're also going to tie it back, basically end it the same as book two ends. I don't know why they wouldn't.
0: No, I, I think they have to. Um, and so... Yeah. So the interesting thing in light of the book with what happens in the show is the fear that that Bernard has of Juliet showing this video to everyone in the silo, I feel like is what happened in silo 17.
1: Right. Because everyone was
0: people left the silo.
1: Yeah, she she comes across a, a silo, another silo, right? But it's already dead. And, and there's there dead are
0: bodies outside the silo and they're not wearing the suits.
1: Suits. There's like hundreds or maybe even thousands of them, which is uh <laughs> not great.
0: No, I'm imagining like the Terminator landscape, right? Just covered yes. in skulls.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they they say uh, that in the book that the poison is degrading the bodies quicker than the so bodies in the suits. Yeah, so the if you the suit protects even from some level of decomposition, even with the bad heat tape, then no suit at all. Like they're they're just like completely gone at this point, turning to dust. But they've only been dead like 35 years.
0: Which is crazy because mm-hmm. she's not able to tell from their bodies how long they've been dead. Yeah. She only knows when she meets um, Solo.
1: Solo. Jimmy? Was that his?
0: Jimmy. Yes. Yeah. Jimmy is his given name uh in silo 17 she's able to break into silo 17 uh and get things running again which i feel like can only happen if you're in mechanical but then the problem is what's going back on silo 18 which is the number of their silo because there are 50 of these suckers almost like the number of states (laughs)
1: Uh, it does seem like that was picked intentionally but i don't think that's what was going on with the uh the people in the past that built the silos, I think 50 was just a nice number for them. Probably.
0: You're probably right. But uh, basically, there's a, a revolt in her silo caused yeah. by her going over and uh, mechanical is pain. So this is my other big criticism, Trevor, with the whole setup. If you are really trying to keep order in your silo, so I understand that this isn't an actual conspiracy. Only one guy knows the truth in your silo.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, you have to have two people to be a conspiracy. Um, but if I was trying to maintain order in a silo like this, I feel like the heads of the important departments would be a part of my governmental council.
1: I mean, yes, if you were actually trying to have a effective government. Uh, with the will of the people behind it in elections so that everyone felt like their voices were heard to minimize the chances of rebellion. But that's not what's actually going on. I mean, what would
0: they have done if mechanical just blew up their own generator and killed them all? Right. Like, I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, that would be suicidal. Give me liberty
0: right? or give me death.
1: Yeah. And if you come in here and try to, to, you know, force us along with your will, we will, Scorched earth, the generator. Yeah,
0: we'll kill everyone. Mm-hmm. I like I, that. It just seems like
1: it's just that uh, people aren't willing to kill their families elsewhere. Is what they're relying on. Yeah,
0: the the thing I would have in the silo is a phone at the top that reaches a control station at the mids that reaches a control station at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Just one phone line. I'm not asking for. Full phone comms. I understand they're actually trying to stop people from talking to
1: each other. Yeah.
0: But maybe it would be important for the mayor and the head of mechanical to actually occasionally talk to each other in case there's a mechanical emergency.
1: Isn't it kind of weird that they never even discuss phones at all, ever? Like, radios exist, but radios are only used by, effectively, the law enforcement because they only have one channel. They don't know that there can be multiple channels. Right. But radios... at some point operate in a very similar way as a phone with like using a, um, a microphone, you know, you're basically detecting vibrations and moving a solenoid around I, a, a coil. I assume and...
0: <laughs> This is why they added in the show though, that judi- judicial is so authoritarian because the yeah. only way to stop humans from solving problems is to actually stop them.
1: Right. Right. You find out that somebody is people. Somebody is doing something that they're not supposed to and you either disappear them or you frame them or you throw them off the railing in.
0: Right. So, cause in the book, it's very clear it's, or no, sorry. In the show, they make it very clear that judicial literally has a camera in everyone's home.
1: Yes. Which they do not. And while
0: Right. And while they can't watch everybody all the time because they're only human. Uh, I imagine they have algorithms that listen, that flag for certain things and then go back and review the footage. Right. Um,
1: Certain words would trigger human review.
0: Right. And so a phone line would probably do that. Though it was very interesting to me because they never used the word phone, but that switchboard in the server room is very clearly a phone, right? Uh, Yeah. It's a switchboard between the various silos and you put it, it's an old school you plug it into the silo you want to talk to.
1: We see Bernard doing that at the end of the last episode, right? Like he goes. He...
0: Do we? I thought he just runs in there and we don't actually see okay. him go. We, he just runs into that area, the server room, in a panic. And then comes
1: out later. It,
0: yes. If he comes out. It might just end with him running in there to tell them that she's
1: beyond. She has survived and is over the hill.
0: Because that's in, that's in the, the order, right? What happens when someone yep. doesn't die in a cleaning.
1: And like, I don't like the backstory of the whole silo system. Like... In the book. In the books. And I hope they deviate from it. Um, I don't think at some point that they, they can deviate too far because they are contacting another silo. So clearly there's some people that are in charge or at least other people to consult with. But the basic story from the books, I feel like it's so overdone in Hollywood in general that there's this secret cabal of people that wanted to kill everyone on the planet and start over again. And so they use the government to build things that the government would never build. Like these things, other than being a bomb shelter in the event of a nuclear war or an asteroid, like the government is not going to build 50 of these gigantic silos. Um,
0: Yeah, I guess I will be fine if the story in the end is just a twist on that, that because, because the, the thing that, you know, Lucas picks up is that we must've known the war was coming to build the silos. Right. Right. So that means we started the war and I'm fine with that. Right. If at the end of the day, what they're saying is America prepared for a war, because it's in Atlanta.
1: Right,
0: right. Uh, America prepared for a war. We wanted first mover advantage, so we went for it. Right, and it was horrible, and we all died.
1: Yeah, maybe I think this that's is, fine. Yeah, and
0: it. it but it in the book, there's this implication of wanting to murder everyone for like a creation of like ideological purity to repopulate the planet with only our people. And I'm like, that's a terrible idea. Cause I don't know what they did to the surface, but the odds of everyone surviving for the surface to be the odd, like this being instead of the idea of this being an arc, right? Because mm-hmm. if you are blowing up the world with the intent that you're going to come out again, what you're saying is, is this is like Noah's ark. But you know it's going to be okay on the other end, and the level of destruction we've seen, no one can think it would be okay on the other end. It's got to be more like all options were bad. We started a war, it went horribly, but we prepared or, for it.
1: I mean, it's like a lot of things in history. Sometimes you can just see wars coming, like right.
0: like World War One
1: or World War Two. There were people that knew it was coming. It was clear that Civil it was coming. War. Or the Civil War. <laughs> The civil Civil war
0: brewing since we became a nation.
1: Yeah. And we really had an idea that it was coming for almost a decade before it happened. Like people were like, this is, this is going to end in violence. I would hope that they don't go that route because it's just like the powerful elite was dissatisfied with the fact that they weren't going to be the powerful elite anymore. It wasn't even that America wasn't the top dog anymore. It's that the people that felt like they were in charge weren't going to be in charge anymore, and they would rather kill the entire planet and start over again than allow that to happen. It's very like a type of conspiracy theory that's really mm, popular right now. I got right the impression
0: now. it was that it was America was dying, and no. rather than let uh, go of the power they used to have, America, America blew up the world.
1: I don't think that's, I mean, I've only read a little bit of the second book and I put it down because even though it is well-written, like I have heard some complaints about that. It's, it's a story that I just don't particularly like. It seems like that's where they're going with this is that the elite just want to be the elite. Mm.
0: So what I thought was interesting is in the book, I feel like if I had been reading the book without seeing the show, I would have assumed this idea of ideological purity that was trying to be uh promulgated i guess would also include like racial purity and in the Mm -hmm. show they clearly aren't going for that right? right like in the book i don't remember there being descriptions of people being black versus white uh which would if you've lived in the silo forever and you're all the same race you would never think to describe someone's skin color if there's literally no such thing as black people in the silo. Right.
1: right? And you can't even get a Um, tan. so
0: Right. (laughs) It 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 makes more sense to me of this as a lifeboat and less of an arc. So I'm going to use lifeboat to mean like how we use lifeboats, right? The ship is sinking. You put people in the lifeboat, but you prepared Mm. the ship has a lifeboat. Whereas an arc is, you know, the world is going to end. You put everyone in an arc, Right. Uh, so if this is a lifeboat, that makes more, a lot of sense to me that they're such a racially diverse cast because Atlanta is a racially diverse area. So seeing that most of the cast is either black or white makes a lot of sense with the makeup of Atlanta, but it also makes sense that you have Lucas who's, uh, uh, seems to be of, you know, uh, Indian, Pakistan, that kind of area, Right. Uh, I don't know where the actor is from because in Atlanta, you actually have a large population of people from all over the world. Yes. Uh, I lived in Atlanta for six years. (laughs) Uh, so you're going to have people of various ethnicities, but your two prime ones are probably going to be black and white because those are your two largest, uh, races in the city of Atlanta. Uh, but that makes sense in a lifeboat situation. It doesn't make sense if we're creating this ideological, I I just, when I think ideological purity, I feel like those people always run rampant with all sorts of weird purities. And then suddenly everyone's a, the same religion, B the same race, C, you know, whatever. Right. And I
1: think that's, that's what explains the breeding program that they have going on. They're not looking for ideological purity. They're looking for a set of people that they think that they can control. Yes. So it I mean, it's a lot like some of the modern anti-vax conspiracies where, you know, yes, Bill Gates is putting a chip in the vaccine uh, so that he can monitor you or later kill you or something like that or sterilize you so that the the earth will be depopulated and the elites will just have, you know, f- 10,000 people below each one of them you know, to cater to their needs. And then that's it. And it's like,
0: but what's interesting about the silo though, is they don't cater to the it guy's needs. Like it's not that setup.
1: He's, he's not the guy in silo one. Like he's doing their bidding is what's going on. How
0: does silo 18 help silo one?
1: So they're, they're not really silo. 18 is not helping silo one silo one is helping silo 18. So Bernard is following their directions because he thinks this is the only chance for humanity to survive, but he doesn't know right. much about them either. Like, right. And he's afraid of them. Um, as far as the show is go- goes, it's probably because he can turn the silo. One can maybe turn off the steam, right? No one That's, else can. I, turn I off. I the assume
0: steam. the steam is not actually provided by anyone. We've oh, talked about this before, but yeah, I it, assume the steam is geothermal, very science fiction-y.
1: Right. And whereas and I was-
0: It's just a resource.
1: I was assuming since the steam is coming from an outside source, silo one was going to have control over it.
0: Yeah, I assumed it was something like Old Faithful that they're just tapped into. Yeah. Uh, which we will learn, I guess, because once again, in the book, they don't run on steam.
1: Right, they run off of oil.
0: Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's, they've made enough changes to the show that while I'm positive that I can say in season two, that she's going to find a creepy silo 17 and find a lonely guy in there. And then they're going to be like haunted by some survivors they don't know about. Um, I don't actually know what's going to happen in silo 18. I don't know how they're going to change that. Right. Uh, or what they're going to do with Sims. Like, can you imagine Bernard treating Sims like he treats Lucas in the latter half of the book where he just locks him in the server room. Like Sims is going to beat the crap out of Bernard if he does that.
1: Right. He's not going to tolerate that. He's just like, oh, I know what's going on now. I can just choke you out. I don't even necessarily have to kill you. I can just tell everyone you disappeared and keep you locked up in the basement and then go off and do whatever I want to do. I'm in charge now.
0: Right. (laughs) I know everything. I can just Mm -hmm. uh, do what I want. Um, so it's really interesting because it's like, yeah, who knows what exactly they're going to change? Other than I imagine Billings will actually have a pretty strong role in yeah. uh, season con- two about what and, goes on,
1: and a conflicted role. He's not going to like what's yes. going on.
0: Yeah, I, because in the book, right, it's like all out war, like people shooting each other, yes. uh, blowing up stairwells. Uh, all sorts of, uh, they never saw episode three. So they don't know about, I have the high ground. They just don't know that.
1: Right. So mechanicals at the bottom, that's why they lose. Right.
0: <laughs> uh, so, uh, it actually is kind of why they lose. Right. <laughs> uh, because they have to climb all the way up to it. It is prepared for them because they know it's going to happen because Bernard told them it was going to happen because the order said it would happen. Right. Uh, The Order being the book, uh, not some mysterious cabal. Uh, And, uh, oh, that was the other weird thing. Like, in the show, the pact is very, like, quoted a lot, referenced a lot. In the book, it took a really long time for them to even mention the pact.
1: Right. It almost seems like it was added later on in the short stories. Like, why is this place like this? Maybe I should figure that out.
0: Why are they following these rules? What are the rules? Did they write the rules down? Let's call it a pact. Yeah, I will be interested to see how they change season two. Also, when I was reading the book, I I don't know how you felt, Trevor. Um, I just didn't really care about the people who were at war with each other. (laughs) And I really just wanted to get back to Juliet and Silo 17.
1: (laughs) Yeah, kind of the same way. That was a less interesting part of the story.
0: I was like, oh, yeah, these people are going to kill each other and um, they're going to lose. I don't there's no way mechanical wins this. Mm -hmm. So I was more curious about when Walk got the radio working and he was able to hear the other silos. Uh, Because in the book, Walk is a man in the show. uh, Walk is a woman. But That was really interesting to me. And I was like, oh, is this why they're not allowed to have microscopes? Because he could see like that this knob and he was soldering. Yep. Um, (laughs) Though I feel like, okay, I don't know a lot about radio design, just a little bit. But I do know you can tune radios to one frequency and make them not changeable. Yeah. So I don't know why you would even have a knob on there is what I'm trying to say. Why would that be an option? You didn't have to design it that way.
1: I mean, was he actually fiddling with the knob to do that? I thought he was doing something else. I wasn't really following the description of the mechanical stuff that he was doing. It
0: read like he was fiddling with some sort of very small knob to me, but you're right. Maybe it was something else. I think he was Uh, like... The one in the server room was definitely a knob.
1: He had like a transistor type thing where he was he plugged it into it so that he could then modify the voltage across mm-hmm. something to then change the the frequency maybe
0: you're right maybe you're right but and then we had a whole discussion you and I about repeaters and uh how yeah because radio communications
1: because the the two different the silos are able to hear each other and their only way you can do that with that you know with thousands of feet of solid rock between you as if you both have repeaters at the top of your towers or at the top of your silos, and you would never do that if it was actually this conspiracy scenario that's and so like the what's going on in the books doesn't quite make sense with the story in some regards, but you know technology not meeting the psychology or the uh sociology of it all I think is pretty common in fiction, right.
0: Yeah, I guess I would just think that maybe you have the repeaters on there for when you reach a level where silo one okays everyone talking to each other because you've reached the end of the time in the silos and you're about to come out. But then I'd feel like you'd put some sort of mechanical device between that repeater and the rest of your radio network, right? So that you have to turn on the repeater. Right. You can only access it at the end, but once again, we are probably overthinking this. Mm-hmm. Um, writers don't always uh, have answers to when engineers read their stories,
1: right? They, they don't necessarily like think of the physics of some of the things that they're doing.
0: I yeah, I don't know what uh, the author's background was. Uh, even science fiction writers who are engineers and scientists, sometimes hand wave things for a better story. And we would Mm -hmm. all prefer a better story than a crappy one. So we generally forgive it. Well, they'll just have Um,
1: to, you know, fix the conspiracy around why it was created, why the silos were created, and that'll solve the, uh, the physics problems.
0: It says he worked as a bookstore clerk, a yacht captain, a roofer, and an audio technician. So he may actually know something about radio, depending on what it means by audio
1: technician. Right. Uh,
0: That could just mean, like, a sound guy for, like... uh,
1: A rock band.
0: A a church or a rock band. Or it could mean someone who's actually fiddling with radios. Like, it could go either way. (laughs) So... uh, yeah, but, you know, we'll forgive the... Uh, if we're going to forgive the show for not boiling Juliet alive in that water, we've got to forgive the book for its radio repeaters. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we should probably wrap up. Any last thoughts about the book?
1: Mm, only that I want them to change some of the storyline, but that's it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's actually pretty rare that you or I like a book, I like a TV adaption or movie adaption better than a book. Right. Um, even in cases, like, I know people might be like, well, it's because you saw the TV show first. But even in those kinds of cases, I feel like I go read the book and I'm like, the book is so much
1: better. Yeah, I, I watched, uh, or I read Game of Thrones after watching the first season and the books are better. Like, right. Uh, bridgerton probably works the same way i've heard the books are not very good
0: i uh, yeah whereas we really like the show um uh, crazy so rich asians i definitely like the movie better than the book on crazy rich asians <laughs> um and then the other one is a little princess while i love the novel i actually think the 90s movie elevates it to another level (laughs) (laughs) so uh you know it does happen uh and if you want my really controversial opinion it's that i like the lord of the rings movies better than the books and that is
1: you're gonna get some angry emails over that
0: well trevor do you want to express how you feel about the pride and prejudice movie about the book than the book i do
1: like the kira knightley movie better but i don't think anybody's gonna write me angry emails about that
0: I know some uh, Pride and Prejudice stands who might, is what oh. I'm saying. Mm. So mm. Uh, People have very strong feelings. I know a lot of people who think that you saying the 2005 Pride and Prejudice is better than the BBC miniseries is blasphemy.
1: Yeah, my brother thinks so. that, and uh, he's wrong.
0: <laughs> so all that to say, we don't often favor the visual adaption of a written work. But in this case, we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I highly recommend the show I would say only read the book if you are dying of curiosity of what's going to happen next and the book will just give you a hint because we don't actually know that it's going to follow the book but Trevor and I read the book because we could not survive the wait till season two
1: yeah they are definitely changing things and it's probably going to start deviating significantly
0: all right Uh, Trevor thank you for joining me today
1: you're very welcome.
0: And hopefully we will have Trevor back uh, eventually because he lives with me and he cannot escape me. Nope. Uh, so Stuck I'm forever. I'm sure there will be other things. <laughs> I'm sure there will be other things that we watch together and we really like and we will talk about them. Uh, like Pride and Prejudice. I am trying to keep this pot. Yes. I am trying to keep this podcast to things people like. Uh, so we uh, won't talk about everything we see together because i'm sure there will be things we see that we do not in fact like
1: star trek into whatever
0: Uh <laughs> oh, speaking of controversial opinions i don't actually know if that's a controversial opinion but we very much agree on that so thank you trevor you're very welcome I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will join us again next month on december 15th for a special holiday edition i'll be talking about the 2006 movie the holiday with michael burgett of screen nerds podcast thank you for listening to mandemonium you can find me mandy on twitter at brown underscore aja that's a-j-a-h you can also find the podcast on twitter at mandemonium pod and we also have a podcast facebook page Theme music for this podcast was created by Skips of Beat Music. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you come back next time.